0: Verse number 14, we will break this passage of scripture up from the beginning. The end will be the actual end of the service. So by way of introduction to a title, very simple title here tonight, and it is entitled The Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. Luke 22 and verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, The Lord's Supper, Lord, we thank you and praise you for what we are celebrating here tonight. Every individual, every person that is gathered together, we feel your anointing and your presence. And we're thankful for that and know that certainly when we participate in what we're doing, which is the Lord's Supper, your presence is in that. We ask that you would direct us. We ask that you would help us as we have prepared our minds and our hearts to receive of this and recognize what you have richly done. And this is why we approach you in thanksgiving. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The Lord's Supper is also known as the Eucharist. Or Paul refers to it as the communion service in which we reflect upon the body and blood of Jesus Christ and participate in his risen and ascended sacrifice. The reason it is called Eucharist, we don't necessarily call it the Eucharist. We refer to it as the Lord's Supper, but there is a reason why it is also called the Eucharist for in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 27. And he took the cup and gave thanks. And gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it. He took the cup and gave thanks. The Greek word or the verb there for thanks is Eucharist eo, which is how we derive the term Eucharist from giving thanks. And so what it means is to be thankful. Anybody thankful here tonight? Amen. The Lord's Supper is something we should be thankful of and about. And so that's one of the reasons why it is called the Eucharist, as well as some of these other terms. It means to be thankful. In this narrative in Luke, the Lord's Supper is portrayed as an event in a Passover meal. And Luke's gospel that we have read makes it very clear about this point. Christ underscores at the very beginning of the meal, he said, I earnestly have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And so this was part of the festival of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And so the Passover meal is the Lord's Supper. And Jesus makes that point very clear to the disciples. It's very, very rich in its meaning. What we're doing here is very, very connected. It's connected into the Old Testament because the Passover, in which Jesus responds to and speaks about, that we've already read, is a celebration of the deliverance of the Israelites from death and slavery in Egypt. It's connected to that particular event. The Hebrews, the Israelites, they were commanded to slaughter a lamb and they were to apply its blood to the doorposts of their house so that they would be delivered from the judgment rendered by the angel of death. And so they were supposed to put by a lamb that they inspected that was spotless, that was the best that they had to be applied to the doorpost because there was an angel of death that would be passing by. If that blood was applied, the angel of death would pass by. If the blood was not applied, then there was a death of the firstborn. And so this meant something. It was very very significant. The message tonight is not about baptism, but you need the blood applied to the doorposts of your house and your soul. The blood is applied to your house and your soul when you are baptized in Jesus' name because Jesus is the supreme lamb. Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name to make sure that in order to get out of Egypt, the blood is applied to my life. Praise God. Praise God. And so this deliverance also marked the beginning of the exodus from Egypt. And so these, these twin meetings, the lamb, the blood that is applied, and the exodus out of Egypt is part of the core understanding in Israelite identity. And they participate in In the Passover, they are to commemorate it every year. And it begins with the festival of unleavened bread, where they rid their homes of yeast for seven days. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14, the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Leavened bread takes time. There is a process. It takes time. When they were told, apply the blood to the doorposts of your house, they didn't have time because... They were making an escape from bondage and slavery. Oh, thanks be to God that pulls us out of Egyptian bondage. Egyptian bondage is a type of the world. God called you out of the world. He called you out of old things, and he called you into his marvelous light. And when we leave the world, we don't need to delay. We need to get out of the world as fast as we can and say, God, you've got better things for me. So the festival includes unleavened bread, seven days of unleavened bread in which there is no leaven even in the house. Why? Because making of bread and leavening the bread is a process. It takes time. And when God told them we're coming out of Egypt, they didn't have time. And so it was unleavened bread that they had to take with them to prepare them for the journey. This is a lasting ordinance. And so they had no time because God was taking them to a greater place. I don't want to belabor the point here tonight, but if God's trying to move you and take you somewhere, don't delay. It is not worth it. That's a land of slavery. It's a land of bondage. It's a land in which the taskmaster is hard. If God's taking you somewhere, say, God, you take me as quickly as you can. I'm ready. I'm willing to do whatever because I want to leave this whole world Behind, and I want to walk in a newness of life. I'm getting out of Egypt, I'm getting out of this bondage and this land of enslavement, and I'm looking for a promised land. I'm looking for better things. I'm preaching to you tonight that there are better things in the house of God. I'm telling you tonight that God's got better things in the house of God. I'm not going to be pulled back into the weak and the beggarly elements of this world, but I'm going. Going to reflect on his sacrifice that he has given to each and every one of us this is why I'm thankful you caress that oh I am thankful he gave thanks Jesus gave thanks I'm in the house of God tonight saying I want to give you thanks for everything that you have done you brought me out of bondage and you've got every reason for me to lift up my hands and lift up my voice and say you've given me peace and you've given me comfort and you've given me strength. I'm going to magnify you because of it. Come on, let's thank the Lord together. I thank you, Jesus, and praise you. Amen. So there's a lot of Old Testament meaning that's wrapped up in the Passover, wrapped up in the blood being applied to the doorpost, wrapped up in the fact that unleavened bread is something that must be done in haste. They had no time. The New Testament meaning of the Lord's Supper is much like the typology of a lot that is found in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ intended for his disciples to understand and know that the sacrifice of his body and his blood upon the cross is a recapitulation and a summation of the depth of meaning of the Passover meal. What does that mean? A recapitulation means it's happening again. It happened in the, the scenario of the Hebrews, but now it's happening again. That's the recapitulation. The summation means that it's happening again, but it's better than when it happened the first time. And this is the New Testament meaning Jesus fulfills what happened in the Old Testament. And he reveals that the depth of this meaning in his sacrifice in this Passover meal is a deliverance not only from Egyptian bondage, praise God, but it's a deliverance from a deeper slavery shared not by just Israel, but by all of humanity to the powers of sin and death. In other words, Jesus said back there it happened and it was the Egyptians. It's not the Egyptians, and he would say it's not the Romans, and it's not other, any other organization or any political power. It is, a, it is a deliverance from the hand of sin and death. This lamb and this sacrifice and this blood and this body is going deeper than the Egyptian enslavement and slavery. This is going to the very core and the heart of sin And it's ugly ability to enslave and to keep people in bondage. Jesus said, I'm doing something greater. I'm doing something greater than what happened the first time. His suffering on the cross is a cataclysmic. What does that mean? It means earth shaking. Confrontation with the powers of sin and death and his resurrection is a triumph and vindication of his death the devil said you're not going to survive the cross and Calvary and I'll conquer through my power and my ability and Jesus said you just watch because I'm not going to stay in a grave, but there is going to be power that comes out of that grave that vindicates the fact that I'm the real winner in all of this and death and sin and hell no longer controls the power and the key. The one that controls the power and the key is the one that's coming up out of the grave and he is going to arise in resurrection power. You don't serve A dead God here tonight, but you serve a living God. When Jesus ascends into the heaven, Paul describes it as a victory march by a conquering general, a general who leads not defeated nations, but he leads captivity itself Captive. This is why in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 8, wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. The general that comes says, I'm not interested in overcoming nations, I'm interested in overcoming death, hell and the grave and the power of sin that general was crowned on an old rugged tree on a hill somewhere they put him in a grave thinking that it was over and even his disciples thought that it was over they were walking away from Jerusalem when he broke bread with him and they remembered and recognized his body was broken for us and they recognized that Jesus is not dead but he is alive and he has conquered everything that he said he would conquer therefore we still have hope we still have hope he took captivity captive praise God and Paul says in that same passage of scripture That he gave gifts unto men. What he gave to us here tonight is a gift to all humanity that we should be most thankful for. Because it is in this very meal that Jesus feeds us with his own presence and his sacrifice. This is why he is described as Christ, our Passover lamb. Could you imagine if you were the firstborn in Egypt and this edict had been given by Moses and Aaron, you find you a lamb, a Passover. It's going to be in future generations it's going to be a Passover lamb, but on this occasion you find you a lamb, you make sure that the doorposts are covered with the blood. But this passage says that he is Christ our Passover lamb. First Corinthians chapter five and verse number seven. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to look for a lamb here. You got a lamb that's the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, and there is no blemish, and there is no spot in him. He knew no sin, though he became sin, and that's the lamb you need to be taking to The sacrifice, praise God, it's here in the representation and the symbolism of his body and his blood. We serve a God that became the sinless Passover lamb for us. I want to tell you here tonight, I'm not worried about what's going on the doorposts of my house because I've recognized he is the supreme lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. I'm not looking somewhere else. Hallelujah. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You can't cover sin unless there is blood that is shed. That is a fundamental truth that happens from the very beginning. Adam and Eve, they try to cover themselves with leaves and things of this nature. And it's always the ability of humanity to try to cover things with stuff that's inauthentic and not really real. God said, "You got to, there's a better way. And there was a shedding of blood. An animal was killed so that skins could be put on them. In the Old Testament, there was a sacrificial system. Tonight, you're not coming in here with a sacrificial lamb. You've got a sacrificial lamb, and his name is Jesus. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You know, what's fascinating is in all of these narratives of the last supper and of communion, there's mention of the body and there's mention of the blood, but there is no mention of the lamb. And so the book of Hebrews develops the point in order to highlight the priesthood of Jesus he possesses a priesthood that is more perfect than the levitical priesthood hebrews chapter 7 says you stop and think about melchizedek abraham brought him wine and tithes and melchizedek had a certain uh genealogy that was very very fascinating and hebrews said what a man he was and then the writer of hebrews said and the levites What what a Levitical priesthood they were. But when he gets to the end of Hebrews 7, he says there is one that is greater. And the fascinating thing about this one is that he is both the priest and the lamb. He becomes the lamb for us, and he's also the priest that offers to us a more acceptable way. I'm telling you that there is a God. Jesus Christ himself is still the priest. He's the high priest, and the high priest became the lamb. You don't have to be confused about who he is he's the lamb he's the priest he's the alpha and the omega he's the beginning and the ending he was created he was he is the father he is he brings every good gift to us he's god manifested in the flesh he's jehovah jireh he's the king of kings and lord of lords he's my master he's my strength he's zion's strength and song he is great and greatly to be praised psalm 50 in verse number seven we see this even in the old testament as the psalmist begins to write how that there is going to be a recapitulation and the recapitulation is going to be greater than what happens the first time because even the psalmist starts writing and he's writing under the inspiration of god when god starts speaking through him and god speaks in psalm 50 and verse number seven and says "Hear, O my people i will speak O Israel, I will testify against thee, I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving And pay thy vows unto the Most High And call upon me in the day of trouble And I will deliver thee And thou shalt glorify me This seems kind of strange Coming from the psalmist that is finding itself In the context of Levitical law In which God does require them Animal sacrifices And he does require burnt offerings And bullocks and goats And cattle and fowls And yet here there is an understanding That there's going to come a time in which you're not going to have to do that because I'm going to take care of all of that. And your sacrifice that you bring to me is going to be a sacrifice of thanksgiving. When you call upon me, I will deliver you and you will glorify me. You know what I'm bringing to the house of God tonight? I didn't come with the lamb over my shoulder. Oh, but I did come with a thanksgiving on my heart to say, God, I thank you very, very, very much. You could see where I was. I was miserable. I was a wreck. I was a sinner I was lost I was living in confusion I was living a life that was pitiful mired in dysfunction but somehow through a testimony of somebody some way you picked me out of the gutter and you gave me an opportunity to be in the house of God despite all of my failures I'm bringing a sacrifice of Thanksgiving to him bringing the sacrifice of thanksgiving why because he's the better lamb and praise is the better sacrifice and continually we are to come before him and sacrifice we're not following old testament levitical offerings of sacrifice but every time we come into the house of god and lift our hands and lift our voice we're in effect doing the same thing Praise God. It is a thanksgiving that we are bringing Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 reveals this by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. I want us to stand to our feet and I want us to do that passage of scripture right there. I want us to offer the sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Come on. Are you thankful tonight for where God has brought you? Come on, don't withhold that praise and that thanksgiving. Hallelujah. That's a better sacrifice. That's a better way. Hallelujah. That's the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. I want to give you thanks. Oh, praise God. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and love him together. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, I praise you, I thank you, I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Quickly coming to a conclusion. You can be seated. There's so many themes to this supper. There is liberation. Nudge your neighbor and tell them I'm free. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty I'm free at last. Praise God. This sacrifice does not only remove the guilt of sin, but it liberates the church from the power of sin. Peter, a fascinating character in the scripture, so quick to move on so many things. And we can identify with him so easily because many times he acts like we would act. And yet later in his life when he's writing his epistle in 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse number 4, he says that Because of what Jesus Christ has done. That we can be partakers of the divine nature. This is one of the reasons why he had to be both God and man. Because if he's just a man, then how do we participate? How does does what he does, how, how does that become part of us participating in divine nature if he's only man? But he's not just man. He's both God and man. He is God manifested in the flesh. Hallelujah. And so because of what he's done, he invites us to participate in the divine nature. I'm telling you right now, you could try all you want to try to get there, but you're never going to get there without his sacrifice. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it on my own will. You'll try for a short period of time and fall flat on your face because you can't do it without the power of God. You can't do it with the Holy Ghost operating in your life. It won't happen. I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps and that'll get you somewhere. But ultimately, in, 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 in the determination of the salvation of your soul, it's not going to work. you got to have something better. And there is a God that was manifested in the flesh that invites us to participate, Peter said, in the divine nature. And so this is the food that enables the people of God to become what they profess to be. You realize how impacting that is. You know what I want to stand to you right now? I want to profess to you that I am a righteous man of God. You know how short and and how much of a failure I feel in that and I don't feel like I measure up because I can't get there on my own. But Jesus invites us and says to us, I know you can't get there on your own. I know it's an impossibility, but here, I'm sending out a hand to you, and I'm going to pull you into a realm in which you can participate in the divine nature and the thing that you want to be. I can help you get there. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost. God invites us into that relationship, and he liberates us. Not only does he liberate us, but he gives us food for the journey. We've got a journey ahead of us and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be perilous in this life. The Israelites were told when they put the blood on that doorpost, they were told, eat this meal with your cloak tucked into your belt and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover because you're starting out on a journey from Egypt into a promised land Immediately upon eating this meal, you know what this service does tonight? It gives us nourishment and it sustains us on the journey that we are on. I'm gonna go through some valleys but I've got something to sustain me I've got something to keep me I'm going to go through some things and I'm going to go over some things and what I need in the midst of all of those difficulties and circumstances in life because life is not fair in so many many ways but when I participate in the Lord's Supper he's providing food to me he's helping me understand that I can make it and that I can do it no matter what desert I'm wandering around in, he'll provide rock from a water. He'll provide food from the air. He'll give me manna, and it's all found in the body of Jesus Christ. The Calvary was effective and powerful. Amen. He's going to give to us spiritual manna. The psalmist said the Israelites were given the bread of angels. (sighs) If there's a recapitulation and manna was the bread of angels, then what we're participating in is greater bread because it's the body of Jesus Christ that sustains us and nourishes us. They were going to eat this in the wilderness on their journey. And that manna and that quail was going to be food. But Christ, in John chapter 6, declares that he is the bread that came down from heaven and he is the bread of life. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Praise God. Amen. There's, there's, There's so much more. Maybe for another communion service, we can talk about the banquet and the table that he prepares. And one day, all of humanity is going to experience that last day banquet that is described in Isaiah and Matthew and Mark and Luke and Corinthians and Revelation and John. In which Jesus Christ is the host we are his guests. Praise God. He not only serves us with spiritual food, but he also communes with us by his presence. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion? Of the body of Christ, for we being many are one bread and one body for we are all partakers of that one bread. And so if we're all partakers of that one bread and he did that for us, how much should we do that for each other? And this is where he inserts the servitude of the Lord and master kneeling at their feet while they're arguing about who's the greatest. They look down and it's not a servant, but it's Jesus that's washing their feet. Peter gets, he, he gets so torn up by, by the whole thing that he says, Lord, are you really washing my feet? You will never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And Simon recognizes his mistake. And he says, Not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. You are clean, but not all. In a perfect symbolic moment of baptism and servitude before God. Praise God. So, because of God. What he has richly done for us in the blessing and the gift that he's given to us, he calls us to be a blessing and a gift to others. Even when they persecute us, even when they damage us, even when they talk ill about us. His sacrifice is a sovereign and his presence is in that moment feel the holy ghost in this place tonight as we stand together in the house of God tonight praise god i feel the holy ghost communing with us i feel the presence of god in this place communing with us praise god you call me master and lord and then you say well for so i am if i then your lord and master have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for i have given you an example should do as I have done to you. The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Praise God. There's a blessing to be had in the house of God tonight and there's a celebration to be had in the house of God tonight. And that's why we're in this moment in this place. Praise God. And that's why we approach him with thanksgiving, the Eucharist thanksgiving the lord's supper i want us to lift our hand right now and i want us to thank god i want us to thank god for everything that he's richly done in our life every every failure that he's given to us blood and strength and nourishment to overcome every shortcoming things that we looked at that we thought there's no way i could get over this praise god you gave me the nourishment through calvary you gave me the ability to look at things completely different lord Empowered me in that moment Praise God Because somebody tonight that's not ashamed Just thank God and praise Him Hallelujah brought you a long, long way Hallelujah a long, long way, Lord I thank you and praise you And worship you and magnify you Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Oh, thank you Jesus And I praise you Amen, amen As the ministry comes tonight and prepares to serve you. You can be seated.